unpacking what the possible future of al-Shabaab as an ideological movement and political insurgency in the region could be, the discussion turns to Dr. Rashid Abdi, Horn of Africa researcher and analyst. He is a former Horn of Africa project director with international think tank, International Crisis Group. He is a specialist on security affairs in Somalia and the wider region. Thank you very much, um, Dr. Uh, Mutuma. I am still struggling with, with technology, so you have to bear with me. <laughs> it's the new world. <laughs> um, I think uh, the trouble of being the last, uh, one of the last speakers is that you may end up uh, uh, not having anything to, to speak about. Uh, but so I'll just make a few, I think, um, strategic points on, uh, on areas where I see gaps in the comments made by some of my colleagues. I think um, what we had uh, this afternoon is basically a lot of discussions on, on the nuances and the details of Islamist ideologies in Eastern Africa. We haven't seen or we haven't heard, I think, a lot about Al-Shabaab's own ideological evolution. And I think that's where I want to um, highlight a few points. Al-Shabaab um, came, came to the fore um, around um, 2006, uh, 2006 that is, uh, and progressively I think began uh, the path towards uh, militancy and radicalization. Uh, but one crucial, I think, element in Al-Shabaab's one seminal, I think, uh, event in Al-Shabaab's ideological evolution was the um, intervention by the Ethiopian forces. Uh, and that clearly uh, radicalized uh, the movement much more than it was before. Um, so in that period of, of, of over 10 years, Al-Shabaab was basically on an escalator of radicalization. And I think that is critical to understand that every setback and every point at which Al-Shabaab, uh, you know, was, was, was under pressure, it basically became more militant and more, um, more hardline. And this is quite fascinating because if you look at um, historical context or other contexts, you will see that um, when uh, insurgencies are under, under, under serious pressure, they soften, they become pragmatic, they begin to engage and, you know, begin down. This we haven't seen in Al-Shabaab, and it is a unique feature, I think, of Islamist uh, insurgencies. Um, the other point is, which I want to highlight also about Al-Shabaab's ideology, is the fact that um, initially it started like any other organization uh, with very puritanical uh, version of, of Salafi Islam. Uh, and most of the, the Al-Shabaab um, top commanders had actually trained in Afghanistan. And so they were politically radicalized. They were anti-American, anti-Western, and that created what you may call uh, Al-Shabaab's own homemade ideology, which was a worldview around, you know, a worldview which was characterized by uh, not only just anti-Westernism, but very conspiratorial. You know, um, the notion that uh, there is big conspiracy to to uh, destroy Islam and, and so on and so forth. And during the time of, of Godhani, 
we saw Al-Shabaab actually become much more centralized. And this is quite important because the centralization was crucial, was also ideological. Um, Al-Shabaab did not just control itself uh, through, uh, you know, through its own structural, through, through its own organizational uh, pillars, but also it, it, it wanted to centralize the way in which the jihadi narrative was being disseminated. And so we began to see a much more concerted effort to disseminate a single line, a single message um, by the Al-Shabaab um, leadership. And remember, this was a time when there was also a tug of war uh, division within, within uh, Al-Shabaab. After the death of, of uh, Godane, uh, who was killed in a, in a, in a US uh, drone strike, we saw the movement appoint quickly come together and appoint uh, a leadership. And that tells you a great deal about, about Al-Shabaab. Um, that despite the fact that it has been under a lot of pressure over a decade, has, uh, is a very well organized bureaucracy, which has a way of um, basically leadership transition, which is actually very smooth. Um, so we saw Abu Ubaidah take over from, from Ghazani. Abu Ubaidah uh, continued on the same path, escalated attacks, uh, actually cross-border attacks, and that's when we saw the deadly attacks in, in Garissa, and Westgate. This was under the leadership of, of Abu Ubaidah. So in many ways, Al-Shabaab has become even much more militant, much more hardline. And one other interesting factor is that we began to see uh, increased attack on civilian targets. And this is quite significant to understand because um, in the past, there was this debate within Al-Shabaab movement of uh, what, how should we go about conducting attacks? Is it permissible in Islam? Uh, to kill civilians? What if civilians are caught in crossfire? How do we explain this? So there was this ideological um, debates going on uh, within, within Al-Shabaab. And interestingly, uh, Al-Shabaab carried out one of the most biggest attacks in, in Somali history uh, in 2017, October. And this um, massive bomb which targeted a road junction killed uh, over 500 civilians. This has never happened anywhere in Africa. A truck bomb exploded in the midst of a, of a junction, killing hundreds of civilians and, and wounding actually over 2,000 civilians. And the impact is still uh, visible today. How, how can a movement justify that kind of an attack or explain it? And interestingly, Al-Shabaab's view is that this probably was not a bomb intended for this target. But in any case, if a Muslim dies in an attack which is justified, which is uh, part of the jihad, that person goes straight to heaven. And this is a very interesting um, um, concept within, within even Islam. Is, 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 is a hot topic which is discussed. It's called shahada, which is a martyrdom. Who, who are the martyrs? You know, people who have been displaced or dislocated from their homes unjustly. Now, Al-Shabaab has added another category, which is civilians who are killed in the crossfire of a just jihad, as they see it. And I think that's quite significant. It explains why there is this, this big threshold for civilian casualties in uh, not only Somalia, but in, you, we see this uh, in uh, in the in the in Mali Sahel in the Sahel region we see in North Africa we see it elsewhere. This ideology this now marks a transition 
from not just Salafi jihadism, but also a much more uh, virulent strain of Salafi uh, doctrine, which is, uh, I will come to, it's called takfiri, which is anybody who does not subscribe to um, the view of the movement, or the, the, the movement in this case, Al-Shabaab, is basically out of the pale of Islam. And this is completely radical. It, 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 there are only very few historical antecedents, you know, in, and this is uh, in ancient uh, history, we will find groups that have emerged um, under certain um, caliphates um, who are attacking actually people with swords in mosques and they were the, like the Khawarij, for example. So this is this is a, this is at max also another elevation of um, Al Shabab's ideology from not just simple Salafism, but now to a much more hardline, hardcore uh, Salafi takfirism. And this is quite important to understand. Another, I think, uh, uh, concept, another element which I think uh, Dr. Rutere um, had intended or had discussed, I think, initially was the future of uh, Al-Shabaab and the future of these jihadi movements. Where are these movements headed? And I haven't had, I think, much from, from the discussions. So I'll just uh, make um, a couple of quick uh, points. Number one, um, there is a big debate among academics on, on uh, the so-called lifespan of insurgencies, the lifespan of uh, militant groups. Uh, and one particular uh, group of uh, academics in, in Oxford actually came up with an interesting hypothesis which said that um, the average lifespan of an insurgency is 10 years. Uh, I can't recall, remember exactly the names of, the, of uh, the academics, but I remember that was their conclusion, that they have, done a, um, they have collected data from, from every part of, of the globe, and they came to the conclusion that um, uh, you need, you know, after 10 years, movements either disintegrate, decline, or basically just dissolve. Uh, in the case of, so just using that uh, simple uh, yardstick, I think it is clear that Al-Shabaab uh, has gone beyond that average lifespan. It's now close to 12 years of its uh, existence. It has proved itself to be much more resilient, much more adaptable than anybody had thought. Um, the last two years, it has been under relentless uh, drone strikes, which have decapitated or completely killed its top leadership. Nearly 60% of it is gone. So the ideological core of Al-Shabaab, 60% of it is gone. How does that impact the organizational structure, but also its ideological direction and future? And one interesting um, element which is beginning which we're beginning to see and which uh, one of my colleagues uh, mentioned i can't remember who exactly but he mentioned the issue of how insurgencies progressively become um cri become criminal you know remember um there is a criminal element in every armed insurrection armed movement this is everywhere if you look at the history of every organization there is a component a tiny component which is motivated by criminal uh, desire and not by ideological commitment. Now, if, if you, if you, put, if you uh, look at Al-Shabaab from that prism, then you will come to see that a shrinking ideological core, an expanding criminal uh, you know, uh, layer, out, outer layer, 
creates its own set of challenges. We are beginning to see Al-Shabaab, for example, conduct um, predatory taxation. You know, they are coming to farmers and they are basically uh, telling them, you need to pay this and that, or we will shut you down. They are collecting, um, they are basically conducting kidnap for ransom. Uh, one of the uh, Italian uh, uh, abductees was released recently, and we know that uh, millions of dollars were paid to Al-Shabaab. So Al-Shabaab is now involved in, in kidnap for ransom, uh, predatory taxation. Um, we also know it, 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 it had links with smuggling businesses, especially sugar and charcoal and so on and so forth. So this poses a number of, I think, policy challenges. Is an Al-Shabaab that is becoming criminal much more of a threat than Al-Shabaab that was ideologically Salafist or jihadist. This is an area which I have no uh, answer, but I think that probably we are celebrating too early if we say that um, Al-Shabaab is no longer a militant jihadi threat, it's now a criminal syndicate. So we can negotiate with them, we can do anything. If you look at the, the and, uh, you know, I don't want to draw a lot of analogy, but if you look at uh, uh, South America, you see a similar pattern in which you have very powerful narco, uh, uh, you know, traffickers who have become very powerful. They almost own the state. Uh, it becomes extremely difficult then to extricate them from the state. And we are beginning to see those kind of patterns emerging in places in Somalia. Take the example of, of, of Mogadishu, for example. Mogadishu is a big city of, of, of you know, over a million uh, population. And Al-Shabaab still has a lot of influence in the city. The government does not fully control Mogadishu. The government, actually, Al-Shabaab out-taxes the government in Mogadishu. It's able to uh, go and, you know, uh, tell business people, you need to pay this and that. And they are very well organized. They are very well organized. They have systems which is now electronic. So that tells to me, that tells me one thing, which is this is no longer an insurgency. This is a shadow state. This is a shadow state. Uh, and so, you know, I don't want to take a lot of your time because I wasn't um, a central speaker, but those are the points I wanted to highlight. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Rutere. In the next recording, we feature our first three presenters who answer questions from attendees in this recorded webinar. We thank you for listening to us thus far, and we again remind you to learn more about our work by visiting our website www.crips.or.ke and if you have not done so you can also follow us on twitter our twitter handle is at cripske